this place. Thank you, God, for your anointing and your presence that we feel in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a marvelous touch of the Lord that we already feel in this place this evening. Praise God. You know, it's always it's always a sacred thing and nothing that we want to take for granted. Lord shows up and begins to move, and I appreciate it so much, this anointed singing here tonight that led us in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, when a person begins to sing or to preach, teach, whatever it is, and you feel that touch of God, uh, I feel like it's indicative of a real anointing that's on that person's life. And uh, I appreciate this tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Amen. And I uh, appreciate all of you that are here on this Wednesday night. I want us to be encouraged to continue in our prayer and our fasting. For uh, We've been praying for backsliders our children of those that, that have uh, backslidden or are away from God, children of members of our congregation that need to be here. We've been praying for them and fasting for them this week, focusing in on that specific thing. I told you Sunday night, I really do feel like that uh, the Lord honors specific prayers, and when we hone in on certain things, I believe that we'll see results, praise the Lord. And so I'm trusting that God's going to move in this situation and uh, asking you to continue to be faithful in that. If you uh, made a commitment to fast and the continuation of this week, please do so. I believe God will honor that and uh, certainly continue to pray daily for this, for this need. There's many that have carried the burden of lost children for maybe years now, but I believe that it don't take years for God to answer the prayer. It can begin to happen in just a little while. God can begin to deal with them and those memorial prayers that have been offered up maybe for a long time. God could bring them to fruition in one service. Praise the Lord. They could uh, be wherever they are doing whatever they're doing and God just begin to trouble their heart and stir their soul, old-fashioned conviction, get a hold of them and draw them back to the house of God. Wouldn't that be all right to pray about 10 or 12 of them through the Holy Ghost here on this Sunday? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, this weekend we have Brother Jim Townley from Jennings, Louisiana, going to be with us. And you're going to enjoy his ministry. He and his wife are going to be here with us in services. And going to have a good time in the Lord. This is a man that sincerely loves the Lord and has a anointing upon his life, and I want him to come and be with us on this weekend. If you have your Bibles, invite your attention to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 23. I want to read one verse there and then go to the book of Romans, chapter number 1. Acts 23 verse 11 Acts 
3 and verse 11, and the Lord, excuse me, I'm back up here, and the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer. Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So must thou bear witness also at Rome. This is the Lord speaking unto the Apostle Paul. Let's go to chapter 1 of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request. Notice what his prayer was, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I have longed to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. I want to back up to verse 10. This is our text tonight. Making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous, everybody say prosperous journey. I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. I want to lift those words I want to simply use as a subject tonight, a prosperous journey. A prosperous journey. Let's pray that the Lord would anoint, bless, and help us here tonight. We do need His help. Would you pray with me, Jesus? We look to you once again. We pray, Lord, for your touch, your help, your anointing in this service tonight. We understand that without you we can do nothing at all. We must have the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be effective in this service tonight. Not only I, but I pray the hearers of this congregation that we could hear what the Spirit would say to the church this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you lift up the name of Jesus? Let's praise Him together right now. I praise You, Lord. Oh, I feel His presence here tonight. I feel His touch in this house here tonight. Yes, it may be Wednesday night, but we can still have a touch of God and a move of the Holy Ghost in this place. And that's important. I said that's important. Amen. God knows exactly where we are, exactly what we need. And uh, we need just to yield to Him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for standing and maybe seated a prosperous journey. It is clear by the passage leading up to Acts 23 and then throughout the chapters that follow clear that Paul had received a call from God to travel to Rome to preach the gospel. And though I'm certain that even the great apostle Paul did not realize the conditions 
and the circumstances that would surround this call to go to Rome to preach the gospel to not only the citizens of Rome, and we know that Rome is a area within Italy, it's a specific place that still exists today, and uh, this place then and now was known for persecution. We understand that Nero existed at the time of the Apostle Paul, and he was very fervent and passionate about his persecution to the people of God, the Christians at that time. Yet the Bible is clear that even in his own household that there were saints of God, that there were children of God, that were walking with God. Even in the persecutor's household, there were people that were still endeavoring to live for God, even in these conditions. It's less us to know that no matter how much the enemy fights us and resists us, no matter how much the devil tries to extinguish the will of God and Christianity in the earth, that there's always going to be somebody somewhere living for God, shining this light, being the salt of the earth, doing the will of God in their lives. Can you say amen? And sometimes we get to thinking that we are the only ones in our time that suffer persecution or suffer uh, ridicule from the world, but rest assured our, our persecution and our little bit of ridicule that we suffer in America is little compared to the rest of the world and certainly even those in biblical times. But I don't know that Paul really understood the conditions of this call to go to Rome. One of the misunderstandings about the will of God that I would like to perhaps debunk tonight by the Lord's help is the philosophy that doing the will of God ensures that there will be no resistance to it, that there will be no struggle, that there will be no challenge. The perfect will of God is not paid with comfort. The will of God is not confirmed by the absence of struggles. The will of God is not a path of least resistance. Sometimes I think in our modern day teaching and philosophy, we think that uh, this must be the will of God. It's just all working out and falling right into place. Not necessarily. That's not always an assurance. Or should it be a confirmation to you that this is the will of God? I've heard people talk about the will of God and say, well, you know, this, this just has to be God's will because this worked out and that worked out. And I understand that God can give us peace about certain things and God can work things out for us if it is His will. I understand all of that. But we need to be careful that when God asks us to do something, that we are obedient to His will and to His call, no matter what challenges may present themselves in the doing of His will. Because we can get to thinking that sometimes it's just all got to be smooth sailing. It's got to be perfect and everything's got to be just right for me to be able to be in the will of God. And that's simply not true according to God's Word. We think sometimes that if we come up against problems or contrary circumstances that we must be 
out of the will of God. Another thing that we often mistakenly believe is that the devil is the one that orchestrates all of our troubles and all of our problems. Can I say that there's such a thing as just living life? And the Scripture does say that it rains on the just and the unjust. It doesn't matter how much Holy Ghost you, you have, your tires are still going to wear out and need fixing, needing replacing. You're going to get occasional flat. Uh, somebody's going to park next to you at Sam's Wholesale and uh, ding your door. Amen? You're going to still have to mow your grass. And this summer, that was quite a responsibility. Matter of fact, it was a good, it was a good challenge just to keep grass this summer, wasn't it? But then to mow it in 107 degree weather, we could think that's persecution, but that's just life. We could, we could blame the devil when our mower doesn't start. We could blame the devil when we get a little bit of problems and troubles along the way in life. But that is not necessarily always orchestrated by the devil. Trouble comes to everyone. And there's life that we have to live and things that we have to go through. Some things are allowed even by God to work on us and develop us and to bring us to a place that He can use us and anoint us. Job even made this statement at the end of it all. He said it was good that I have some trouble in my life. I believe the psalmist made a similar statement. He said it was good that I, I have some trials and some trouble along the way. Troubles help you to learn how to trust God and believe God and lean upon the Lord. Trials prepare you many times for God's purpose. Amen. God gets you down to fighting weight, as it were. God knocks some rough edges off of you so that He can use you and He can direct your life and so you'll be careful to listen to Him and be sensitive to Him. We can become so calloused in life with the comforts that we have that we can't hear from God. We're not sensitive to God. We, 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 our ears are stopped by all of the clutter of this world and we cannot hear the voice of God as it speaks to us. I'm going to tell you it's important in this hour that we be sensitive to the Lord. You need to pray every day that God would help you to be sensitive to Him because it's not always in thunderclaps. It's, as the prophet said, it's not always in the fire and it's not always in the rain and it's not always in the thunder that God speaks, but sometimes it's in a still, small voice. And if you don't have an ear that can hear what the Spirit is saying, then you'll miss that gentle imprompting of the Holy Ghost and you'll miss God entirely. I don't want to miss the will of God. I don't want to miss even things that God would want to do in my life that may not be a salvation issue, but it can lead to further blessings. It could lead to further growth, Christian growth. It could lead to a closer relationship with God. But because of my obstinance and my carnality, I wouldn't be able to hear the voice of God when He wants to draw me closer. I want to be sensitive. I want to be able to hear from Him. If He speaks to me in the midst of the night and says, I want to talk to you, I want to commune with you, I, I don't want to be so uh, calloused and, and so distracted by life that I, 
are, are so so interested in my own comfort and rest that I wouldn't roll out of a comfortable bed, get down on the floor and kneel before God and let him talk to me and commune with him and pray and seek his face and call on the name of the Lord. God would want to use me in intercessory prayer. How many knows that there's still a need in this hour and it's not something that's talked about real often but there is a need for inter intercessory prayer in this hour and I have noticed intercessory prayer being prayers that God answers it seems like almost immediately when God there's an urgent need maybe there's somebody that's in a dreadful place and something uh, bad is going to happen and dangerous uh, is, is getting ready to take place and God prompts you to pray and God puts it on your heart a burden to seek Him and to call on His name and as you begin to pray and seek the face of God God works in that situation and the problem is averted and uh, a rescue is made for that person I'm going to tell you that's, that's an important thing that we don't need to lose in the church somebody may be getting ready to make a mistake or they're being tempted in some way but you may not even know who they are but the spirit maketh intercession through you and, and, and the devil is headed off in his attempts to destroy their life and God is able to intervene in that situation because somebody was sensitive enough to God to pray what happens I wonder how many opportunities are missed and how many revivals slip through our fingers and how many souls go out into eternity lost and without God because we're not sensitive enough. We don't hear the voice of God when He calls us to pray. Can I talk about prayer here for a little bit? I'm going to tell you, prayer is not something that you can substitute. Prayer is not something that you can circumvent. Prayer is not something that you can overlook and still have apostolic revival and the blessings and the anointing and the favor of God upon a church. But if there's going to be a church in Texarkana, there's going to have to be prayer going up from the people here that's going to seek God and call upon Him and be willing to listen to Him and be directed by Him. And the only way we can be sensitive to God is to spend time in His presence there that the calluses of this old carnal world are stripped off of us. It's, it's there that we, we draw close to Him and we learn of His ways and we know what He desires and we're more sensitive to what He wants. Amen. By spending time in His presence, we know what He's pleased with and what He's displeased with. And when you stay in the presence of Almighty God and you spend time in the presence of of a holy God. When you go out in this world, you won't be so inclined to get involved in the filth and the corruption and the carnality and the sin that abounds in this world. But you want to keep yourself pure because you know what pleases and you also know what displeases the Lord. Praise God. Being sensitive to God and, and to His will is a very important thing. And God sometimes allows us Maybe he wants to stir prayer up within us and so he allows us to go through things where we turn to him in prayer. Maybe maybe we've drifted. Maybe we've gotten away from God for some time and we're not praying and seeking the face of God like we should and suddenly trouble comes to our life or situations spin out of control in our life and we're reminded that we need God again. And Why does God allow that? Because he wants us 
to have a relationship with him. He wants us to be saved. He, he wants us to live for him. He wants us to turn to him. He wants us to depend up, upon him and trust him with our troubles. Amen. When we get self-sufficient and we, we begin to re- lean upon our own understanding, upon our flesh and our, our knowledge and our our experience and we think well I can handle life all by myself God sometimes shakes us up and reminds us how desperately we do need him in our lives I'm thankful that he does I'm thankful that he doesn't let us just get comfortable and complacent and 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 lose our passion for prayer and just let us slip away uh, just just out of out of carelessness, let us just get get uh, contemptible towards church and prayer and being in the presence of God, and we just sit back and we decide well we got life going on and everything is happening and going our way, and we lose sight of the things of God. Sometimes God has got to shake our world up. He's got to get a hold of us. He's got to stir us. He's got to allow us to go through some uncomfortable circumstances sometimes. We face things that we don't understand that are beyond our ability to to help or to turn around or to do anything with. Amen. I had a friend of mine was telling a group of us, he said, you know, just as a pastor schedule, and this is a very sincere man, he said, just the schedule of life, the situations and the circumstances of life, going here and there, taking care of this and that, just just this life itself. He said, I noticed that my prayer life was ebbing away. I wasn't spending as much time in the presence of God. And here he, he pastors several hundred people. And he said, after a little while, I, I noticed weeks had went by. I was... I was uh, the demands and the schedule of going here and doing this and being with that one and talking to this one. And he said, I was not spending the adequate amount of time in the presence of the Lord. And finally, he said, I was away. And uh, the pastor where I was at was asking, he said, what do you want to do for breakfast? He said, I won't be going to breakfast. He said, what about lunch? He said, I'm not interested in eating lunch. He said, it's not anything personal, but I, I've got to get to the sanctuary. I got to get to the church. I, I got to touch God. And he said, when I walked in the building, he said that day, and I was alone there, he said, I, I hollered out to the top of my lungs. He said, God, have you missed me as much as I have missed you? I want to get in your presence again. I've got to have your direction in my I can't get by without you. I want to pray. I want to touch heaven. I want to seek your face. I want to, I want to get in your presence again. I, I want you to talk to me. I, I want to develop a sensitive. Am I ringing a bell with anybody in this place tonight? Do you realize what I'm talking about? You can't make it without him. You you may think you can, and you may make it a while without him, but there's going to become a point in your life when you're going to have to know how to pray and touch God. And God has been known to create prayer rooms for people. God has been known to create conditions where people will turn to him. Ask Jonah about it. You don't want to pray? I'll create a prayer room for you to pray and submit to my will. Yeah. Ask Samson about it. You don't want to follow me. You don't want to do my will. I'll find a place. Amen. It may be that you'll have both of your eyes plucked out and you'll be grinding at a meal. 
and you'll be doing the work of a beast. But but in that time, while you're walking in circles as a slave for the Philistines, you're going to pray and you're going to touch God and God's grace is going to reach down to you and you're going to be restored. I'm going to tell you, it's worth it. Whatever you got to do in whatever place that God's got to bring you to, if you'll learn how to pray again, learn how to touch God again, learn how to seek the face of God again. Come on, instead of cursing and chafing at your problems, uh, maybe you ought to realize, hey, God's trying to get my attention, folks. God's trying to talk to me. God is trying to shake me. Amen, I've drifted away. I've become calloused. I've become insensitive to him. I need to pray. I need an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I need to get a hold of God. Bible says that God was orchestrating things and he called Paul. Paul maybe thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a trip down there on a passenger boat. I'll, I'll get first class cabin and I'll, uh, I'll be able to sip tea and eat exotic fruits and lay up and relax a little, way, a little while on my journey down there. To Rome because I know it's God's will I go to Rome but he didn't understand that what he called a prosperous journey wasn't exactly what God called a prosperous journey and what was going to be a prosperous journey for him was not exactly what he would think of when he think when he thought of being blessed or prospered the Bible says that Paul was going to stand before Caesar I'm sure that was the last man that he wanted to see. Nero was probably the greatest enemy of the church at that time. But through this bizarre happening and event, God is sending the greatest preacher to preach to the greatest enemy of the church. I think that is a testament of God's mercy He didn't send just a little whippersnapper to go preach to Nero and give him a little opportunity or chance. He said, I'm going to send the best preacher I got to talk to the most evil man in the world. That's how much mercy I'm going to. I'm going to give him every chance to turn around and to be saved. I'm going to give him every opportunity to repent and get right with me. He may be the worst uh, known to humanity, but I still am going to reach for him. That's a testament of the mercies of God. He sent the apostle Paul, the greatest apostle to the Gentile. He sent him to the most horrible and despicable Gentile that lived at that time, Nero sends him to preach to him. He said, I'm not going to preach somebody don't know, I'm not going to send somebody to preach to him don't know don't know the word of God. I'm not going to send somebody that's just an upstart and don't know what's going on. I'm going to send the best I got to go try to convince him that he needs to be saved. And Paul in this, he doesn't get to take the luxury liner. He doesn't get to take the party boat down. But immediately The scripture tells us that the apostle Paul is arrested. And there's no doubt that this is the will of God, but how he's going to travel down to Rome isn't exactly maybe how he planned it to be. His request is for a prosperous journey. This is his prayer. 
And while I'm certain that Paul meant safe travels, nevertheless, his journey was in the end a prosperous journey. Amen. This was the will of God, even though he may have not understood it at the time. And on this journey, there was three things that I want to expound on tonight that occurred in the life of the Apostle Paul that I believe that any journey in the will of God, some way or another, you're going to see these three things occur. And may I encourage you tonight that it does not mean that it's not the will of God. It may mean that you're more in the will of God than you've ever been if these three things happen. First of all, the Bible says in the life of the Apostle Paul on this journey, there were chains. Paul may have not foreseen that his journey would include him being a prisoner and the way that he would travel down to Rome was on a prisoner's boat. He was arrested and he bore chains. And in Acts 26 and verse 29, as he stood before Agrippa, he preached his testimony to him of how he was converted and how God dealt with him on the road to Damascus while he had papers in his hands to persecute more Christians and he was yet breathing out threatenings and vile things and uh, God smote him and he saw great light and he was blinded and a voice spoke to him out of heaven and he makes a statement he said Lord Lord, what must I do? And he said, I want you to go to a preacher's house down there. When you arrive at the city, a man by the name of Ananias, and he's going to tell you what you need to do to be saved. And he explained to him how he was converted, and he preached with such passion. This is one of the most passionate messages that is recorded in your entire Bible. As Paul stood before King Agrippa, and as he preached to him, he didn't, just, he didn't just lay it out there intellectually. He didn't just try to give him the points of what it would take to be saved and lay out the new birth and how what you need to do and what you need to be obedient to. And if you don't like it, lump it and you go to hell if you want to. But this is the way it is. He didn't preach like that. He preached with passion. He preached with anointing. He preached with a desire to see King Agrippa saved. And he said at the end of his sermon, he said, King Agrippa... Uh, do you believe what I'm saying? I know you believe. He could tell by his countenance. He could tell by the tears uh, that was brimming on his eyelids. He could tell by the shaken uh, features of King Agrippa. He could tell by the actions and the attitude of this man as he sat listening to him that obviously his message was breaking through. King Agrippa said, Paul, almost you've persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost. Now there's a lot of debate about what it could have been that held him up or kept him from totally yielding himself to God. But that's really not our message tonight. But the bottom line is, is that Paul said to him, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except for these bonds as he stood before King Agrippa preaching to him this message of truth giving to him his testimony he did it bearing chains he had chains he was 
manacled. He was constricted. He was not a free man. Many of the people that he preached to and he witnessed to during this time of three or four chapters here, you note that he was a prisoner. He was a prisoner when he went to Rome. He, he didn't get to go down there on a luxury liner. He, he didn't get the prosperous journey that perhaps he thought it was going to be. But God's call required some chains be placed upon him. And I got to thinking about those chains. I'm going to tell you every call of God comes a little bit with some restrictions. There's some things about a call that confine us and they discipline us. Chains put limits on our lives. They restrain us. They restrain us in times of anger. They restrain us because the call of God is too great for us uh, to, to lash out in anger. The, the purpose of God is too great for us to respond to every little thing in life that comes along. The call of God is too great for us to succumb to, to menial temptations that would come our way. we got chains on us uh, that restrict us and that hold us back and that constrain us. Uh, amen. Everybody needs uh, some limits on their life. Everybody needs some perimeters on their life. Everybody needs some discipline in their life. Because you got chains don't mean you're cursed. Amen. Chains keeps us close to what we need to be close to. It keeps us close to Him. It keeps us close to the altar. It keeps us close to the prayer room. God allows us to bear some chains in our life that keeps us from straying away from our convictions and our consecrations. Amen? It's just all no matter how you look at it, Paul. I, I know you're not a free man to just do whatever you want to do, but you're nevertheless still in the will of God. I realize there's some chains and there's some restraints and there's some things that you may think you want to do outside of the perimeters of what you're allowed to do at this moment. But, but to stay in the will of God, there's going to be chains on you. There's going to be some things that's going to restrict you. There's going to be some areas in life that you're not going to be able to go and things in life that you're not going to be able to experience and to do if you're going to stay in the will of God. If you're going to fulfill the call of God, you're going to be willing to bear these chains. Amen. Keeps us. Keeps us from just responding to situations in the flesh. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is respond to circumstances of life in the flesh. I'm going to tell you, no matter how much you try it or how logical it seems to you or how much your flesh wants to do it, you'll never achieve a work of the Spirit by the means of the flesh. You'll never obtain something spiritual by this lashing out in your flesh. You've got to submit that flesh to God. You've got to get it crucified. I said you've got to get it under the will of God. You've got to pray it through. Amen. There's some change things that limit you. I talked about my uh, my uh, dog here just a few weeks ago and how that he was on a chain and if he wanted something bad enough he could break that chain. But the whole purpose of pl placing him on that chain is because he had a habit of chasing cars and getting out in the road. And in order to keep him alive it wasn't that we were trying to restrict him by putting him on a chain. 
but we knew that he couldn't hardly help himself when a car drove by even though he had been run over several times he still hadn't learned his lesson and he had more lives than a cat and so he had to be restricted to keep him out of the road to keep him from destroying himself some chains that were placed on him I'm just going to tell you tonight there's going to be some chains to bear if you're going to do the will of God thank God for chains that keep us connected to the right things thank God that that when we when we feel that I you know I ain't going to take this I'm not going to do this no more I, I'm not going to put up with this no more suddenly we hit the end of that chain and we're reminded by the Holy Ghost there's there's a there's a God in heaven that convicts us and stirs us up and says no you need to get down, back down on the altar son you need to pray this back through again you, you don't want to just let your flesh have liberties to do whatever it wants to do some borders. There's got to be some perimeters. Come on, if there wasn't borders here, we wouldn't know whether we was in Texas or Arkansas tonight. If there wasn't lines drawn, if there wasn't, if there wasn't some borders and perimeters, we wouldn't know if we're in the United States or Mexico tonight. We wouldn't know who had authority and who didn't have authority. We wouldn't know what laws applied and what laws didn't apply. We wouldn't know if we were protected or unprotected. But thank God there's perimeters that make us feel safe. Because tonight you don't want to be in Mexico. Because there's a war going on in Mexico. And there's lawlessness in Mexico. But thank God we're in America tonight because there's somebody that put a line of demarcation that says, you know, this is the perimeter. This is the border of our country, and we're willing to protect this border, and we're going to do whatever we have to do to defend this border. And on this side, there's freedom, and on this side, there's protection. On this side, there's blessing, and there's prosperity. But if you go on the other side, that's why they're all standing there at the fence looking over. It's because it's so great down there. That's why they're trying to swim the river all the time, because it's so good down there. Amen. And we're all wanting to get outside of the borders and outside of the perimeters that God has created for us. I'm going to tell you, this is where protection is. This is where God's blessing is. This is where true freedom is. This is where the goodness of God is. This is where the favor of the Lord is. This is where he keeps his hand on me. I want to stay in a place. Come on, every once in a while there's a tendency in our flesh to want to break out and break free. But you ought to thank God that there's some chains that go along with this calling. Amen. And so, follow the call of God and to be pleasing to God there's going to be some things that maybe our flesh wants to do but we're going to have to submit and say you know I'm not going to go there I'm not going to do that I'm not going to be a participant because I'm going to fulfill the will of God the second thing that was in the apostle Paul's life on this journey was a shipwreck now, Paul told the centurion of that ship from the very beginning of their travels. He was an experienced traveler. He had traveled, he had traveled by ship before, and he made the comment 
centurion, he said, this is not a good time for us to travel. And I studied a little bit about this. From the middle of September to the middle of, of November, these seas were treacherous. And it was winter time and stormy there. And all travel was suspended during this particular time for the most part. And him being a man that traveled and had done this before, you read about it, he's already been, uh, and I'm sure this is one of those times, but he is, he's not just, he didn't have but one, he didn't have just one shipwreck in his life. The Bible says that he was thrice shipwrecked. So he knew a little bit about traveling on the high seas. And he recommends to the centurion that is guarding these prisoners, hey, don't let this captain who's only interested in his own, patting his own pocket, and he'll take all kinds of risks because this is what he does for a living. He don't want to lay up for three months. He'll take us anyway. He said, don't, don't, don't take his word for it. Take mine. We don't need to go. I don't feel good about this. And it was exactly in this period of time of the year because it talks about a time of abstinence and fasting and, and consecration before the Lord that Paul had just finished. So it is believed that this was during this particular time of the year for the Jews. And so he said, let's don't go. And yet the centurion looks at Paul, who is a missionary. And like a lot of people, he says, what experiences he have in any other area of life preaching? I'm not going to listen to him. And so he did not listen to the Apostle Paul and rather listen to the captain of the ship. And the Scripture tells us that there was a storm, and evidently they named storms back then also. It was called Eurachlodon. That name just sounds scary. And this situation was totally out of Paul's hands. The circumstances were beyond his control. And in life's journey, there's going to be circumstances beyond our control. Storms that come that we wonder when it's going to let up. Storms that come that we wonder how in the world we're going to survive them. But it's in those storms that we've got to depend upon Him and trust in Him and put our faith in Him that He's in control and that He's going to take care of us and that He's going to watch out for us. And I'm going to tell you this was such a storm that the Bible says that for many days they couldn't even tell it was so black and the night it was, it was so overcast that even during the day there was no distinction between the night and the day it was so dark they couldn't navigate they couldn't see any stars they couldn't tell where they were at on the map they didn't know where they were going they were just uh, uh, out there in the midst of the sea they was really surrendered to whatever the sea's will was for their life and they didn't know what direction to take or where they were going or where they were headed they were just out there but they were still in the hands of God because God had said you're going to go to Rome you're going to preach the gospel 
Well, you've been a witness in Jerusalem and you're going to Rome. I'm going to tell you when it seems like you're most out of control, when it seems like your life is topsy-turvy, when it seems like you have no, no, no ability to know exactly what's going on. It seems everywhere you look, you can't get a reading on anything. You can't be confident of anything. You can be assured of this one thing, that God is going to be there for us and that God is going to see us through. And when this storm passes over and when this sea ceases to rumble and to rage, I'm going to be exactly where he wants me to be because I'm in his hands. If I was trying to do this on my own, if I was trying to get there by myself, I may have reason to be concerned, but I'm in the will of God no matter what the storm does. I'm in the will of God and I'm certain of that, that everything's going to be all right. Present storms. Praise God. And, and there's going to be situations. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be death. There's going to be turbulence in your family. There's going to be things that are going to rise. The wind's going to blow contrary against you. Things are going to happen. Issues are going to arise. But are you in the will of God? Did you receive a call from God? Do you know that, that you're in the hand of God? Come on, I, I'm preaching about the one that, that can speak to the storm and it's still. I'm talking about the one that said I'm in control of it all because I hold the waters of the world in my hand. I measure them in the palm of my hand. I'm talking about the one that, that holds it all. That, that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. Whatever happens down here, he's still in control of it all. No matter what happens, no matter how fierce the winds are, no matter how tumultuous the storm is, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right as long. I can't take this that, that, that I'm out of the will of God just because i, I got a storm. Amen. I, I can't just assume that because i got a little bit of trouble here that I'm out of the will of God. Paul said it angel of the Lord stood by me this night and he told me that if you'll stay with the ship there'll be no loss of life it's not time to bail out and try to go for the life rafts now it's not time to get the life preservers and bail and, and, and jump overboard it's time to stay with the ship and ride this out as stormy as it may get I've got to stay in the will of God I've got to stay in the church I've got to stay faithful to God I've got to keep on praying I may not feel the hand of God right now. I may not feel the touch of God. I may not feel the presence of God, but I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on trusting God because he's in control of this storm. It was Brother A.D. Spears that was preaching uh, for the Ewings down in Lake Charles and he preached a message and he said, storms don't decide how long they will stay. He said, when the master says enough, they just go away. And Sister Joan Ewan said, I think that'll make a good song. And she picked up her pen and began to write. And so we have the song, Where Did the Wind Go? I'm telling you, God's still in control. 
of the wind. I said he's still in control of the wind. Some of you feel like that wind's been bearing down in your life. Amen. You've been wondering, man, what's going on here? I, I can't be in the will of God and all this going on. I'm telling you, you're squaring the will of God because of this situation. That ought to be a confirmation to you that you're doing something right because the devil doesn't resist folks that don't do anything. Amen. He resists folks that are pursuing the will of God, that are trying to serve God. God, that are trying to be faithful to God. That's the kind of folks that he comes up against. That's the kind of people he tries to badger. That's the kind of folks he tries to talk into quitting. You need to make up your mind tonight. Quitting's not an option. Giving up, that's not an option. I'm going to keep on living for God. I'm going to stay with the ship. Praise God. And the ship bust apart breaks into pieces I'm going to get a hold of what I can and hold on if the thing that you've been believing God for looks like it's splintered in a thousand pieces just get in faith a hold of it and hold on and that's going to be enough I said that's going to be enough to see you through some on broken pieces the Bible says floated up to the shore and the island of Melita. And there, cold, sopping wet, but still in the will of God. The Bible says this third thing that I want to talk about took place. Paul, being the man he was, said, I'm not just going to sit here and warm to somebody else's fire, I'm going to be a contributor. And he went out and took a bundle of sticks and he was going to put them on the fire. And when he bent over to put them on the fire, a venomous beast came out of the fire and fastened on his hand. It was a familiar viper to those barbarians. They had seen its kind before and they had seen the results of being bitten by it because most of the people that they had saw and never survived maybe just walked a few steps and passed out and died. And they said, my Lord, this man's no doubt a murderer because though he escaped the vengeance of the sea, God's not going to let him live. He's going to die. And the Bible says that his response was is that he shook it off in the fire. And he felt no harm. It didn't even affect him is what the Bible said. It didn't even bother him in the least he was working to build a fire viper comes out of the heat and bites him I'm sure this was a shock this was a surprise this was something that was unexpected I'm going to tell you there's nothing that will hurt you or just bring despair and despondency any more than unexpected unprepared for a surprise, a hurt coming from a place that you never expected it to. That's what hurts the most. Amen. You know, there's some folks and some things and some situations you just expect it to be that way. I mean, 
Paul knew, man, if you if you sell a ship during this time of the year, it's a good chance you're going to hit a storm. If you hit a storm, it's a good chance you're going to be shipwrecked. I've already been shipwrecked two other times. I know about this shipwreck stuff. I can kind of expect that. He could deal with that. And uh, rested, yeah, he'd been arrested before too. He knew what it was to be persecuted. He could expect persecution from the opposition. He knew how to be persecuted from those without. And he's building a fire involved in a work, and unexpectedly something comes and bites him. I'm going to tell you, when it comes from sources that you don't expect it to come from, it's hard to get over many times. Or it's a whole lot easier for you to be affected by it. Now, I don't know exactly what kind of snake this was, but they, they suggest that it may have been a, a type of a coral snake. And I've studied a little bit about these coral snakes, and I've found that they don't have fangs like copperheads and rattlesnakes. They have big molars in the back of their mouth, and they've got to chew on you a little bit to get their venom in but their venom is deadly poisonous. They've got to break that skin in order to get it in the inside. It infects your central nervous system and literally will cause you uh, to lose your ability to breathe and function and you'll die immediately. Well, I may have problems with copperheads and rattlesnakes, they may get me. I'm going to try but I don't think I'd have much problem with them coral snakes because I'm not going to let anything chew on me long enough to break my skin. You got it? And maybe Paul realized this. And he shook it off immediately. It didn't say he waited five minutes. It didn't say he said, hey, look, here what's happened. It didn't say he bemoaned the fact. It didn't say he tried to say, my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. He shook it off immediately back into the fire and felt no harm from it went on about his business like nothing had ever happened. I'm going to tell you when you're in trouble, I realize that it's shocking to see some things happen and where, they, where the source of that comes from and where that hurt came into my life. You know, I made this statement before, but nobody can hurt you like somebody that you love. You know what? I'm going to speak to you that have children. You know, there's nobody that can make you as angry as your children. Because there ain't nobody you love like your children. Amen? There ain't nothing can upset a mama like the children because they love their children. There's nothing that can get a hold of the emotions of parents like children because they love their children. There's nothing that makes their heart bleed like their children because they love their children. Nothing can inflict hurt upon a person like their children because they love their children. Amen. And when it comes from unexpected sources, it's easy. And the challenge is this. If you're not careful, it, it'll, it'll create a bitterness in you. It's easy once you've been bit to get bitter. Get to thinking, you know, I didn't deserve this. I didn't expect this. I was doing the work here. I was involved in the work of God. This was the will of God. I'm in the will of God. I'm doing the best I can do here. This was a, 
I'm, I'm trying to build a fire. I'm trying to contribute to the church. I'm trying to do the will of God. I'm trying to be involved in the work of God. And here this happens to me. Why me? I'm going to tell you what you better do. You better shake that off in the fire as quick as you possibly can. You better shake that offense off. You better shake that spirit and attitude of feeling sorry for yourself off. You better shake that, oh, he didn't shake my hand, or he didn't do this, or he didn't do that, or she didn't do this, or I don't like how she looked at me, or whatever. You better shake that spirit off of you, lest it destroy you, because if it ever gets its venom in your veins, it's going to destroy you. It's going to take your life. It's going to wipe you out. But if you'll shake it off, there's enough heat in the fires of revival to take care of every venomous beast that comes against us in our quest to do the will of God. Come on. You gotta learn how to deal with those offenses. You gotta learn how to deal with those situations. You gotta learn how to deal with those problems. I'm not gonna let discouragement attach itself to me. I'm not gonna let setbacks keep me down. I'm not gonna let discouragement, amen, keep me down. I'm gonna shake it off and go on, amen, and live for God and do the will of God and keep on working for God. Just stand with me tonight. Lift up your voice to the Lord. And let's praise Him. Let's worship Him. Come on, let's glorify Him. Come on, give Him praise right now. Shake it off. this life we're all going to have unexpected unprepared for like the fellow that woke up one morning and looked out on his crop of wheat and said my lord look at that as many stalks of wheat there's tares not in this field I planted wheat I was the planter I went and tilled the ground I put the wheat in there I know what I did I didn't expect Matter of fact, I don't even deserve it because I didn't plan for it. And the only conclusion that could be made is the enemy has done this. Amen. Oh, there's going to be situations. What are you going to do? You're going to give up? You're going to you going to quit? No. What did he tell him? He said, "Just be patient. Just keep on being faithful." Hallelujah. God is going to come out on the side of the righteous every time. God's going to help that one that will be faithful to him every time. Hallelujah. What did the psalmist say? I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Amen. God is going to take care of his own. Shake that off. That 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 desire to retaliate, shake it off. That desire to get one up, shake it off. That 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 competitious spirit, shake it off. That attitude that I've got to give them a piece of my mind, shake it off. You know what I suggest to you? Not not just ignore it. I'm, I'm suggesting you go buy a steak dinner. Amen. I had a friend of mine. I'm gonna tell this in conclusion. He, he's a new pastor, and uh, that, that, you know, there was 
situation where this individual took it on themselves. They was mad at him for something, and they and they did something that was totally wrong. Boy, he went to his pastor, and he said, I, I, I want some advice about that. What he really wanted him to do is give him a green light to go home and rebuke that person. I want you on my side. I want you to back me up on this deal. I'm fixing to go tear him up. His pastor told him, he said, you know what you need to do? Go home and take them out to eat. Go home and brag on them. Because there ain't nothing wrong with them. He, he's trying to work something out of you. God will take care of them, but you better make sure you keep your spirit right. I'm going to tell you, if they're not right, they're not going to get by because vengeance is his. And he keeps good books. But I'm not in the vengeance business. I'm in the soul-saving business. Amen. I'm in the reaching people business. I'm in the helping folks business. Amen. Praise God. And so don't get into trying to take care of all, you know. You say, well, that crazy rascal. I, I'm going to go show this somebody what they've done. What this, what this, you see that wound right there? You see that? See how he's clutched hold of me right there? If you don't shake that off, you're going to die from that. What good is it going to do all them bragging rights you got? I know it makes you feel better talking about how bad you got it and how, how bad people's been to you, but well, you're going to have to shake that off or it's going to destroy you. And you know, chances are they're going to keep going on and they're going to move on to the next victim and forget you even around. So why don't, you, why don't you just make up your mind? I'm not going to let this keep me down. I'm not going to let this cause me to be lost. I'm not going to let this get me sideways with God. I know this kind of preaching isn't popular, but it's true. And if you're going to have a prosperous journey, it's probably not going to be like you think it's going to be all the time. There's going to be some shipwrecks. There's going to be some chains. And there's going to be some snake bites. But there's a remedy for every one of them. If you'll stay in the will of God and stay faithful to God, everything will work out for you. Come on, clap your hands and let's give praise to the Lord, Landmark. the only thing that matters Paul is you get to Rome when you get to Rome it's up to me the time schedule's up to me but the destination is the only thing that's really important can I tell you it's the same in our walk with God the destination is what's important time schedule's still in God's hands but the destination, we have a little bit of decision-making to do in that and how we respond to these situations, whether we're going to make the destination, stay with the ship, shake some snakes off, and don't resist and fight and buck against those chains. Realize that's a part of it. But I'm going to end up in Rome. Or for us, we're going to go to heaven. Hallelujah. It's going to be all right. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord one more time before we leave tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. I praise you and I worship you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Let's remember to keep praying this week for these uh, lost children, backslidden, away from God. 
Let's pray that God bring them back. Let's remember this weekend, invite some of the house of God. How many will help me? Maybe you call that boy or girl and just say, come on, we got a special guest. And uh, won't you come to the house of God this weekend? See what they would, response would be. Invite them. Praise God. You never know. God is probably dealing with them this week, and they're just looking for an opportunity. God bless you. Dismissed in Jesus' name. I'll see you throughout this week or in the weekend. Remember, the yard sale is on Saturday. Come by and buy them out. Amen. With the